Awesome. I've got an episode uh, with Jake Shannon today. Jake, you are one of the biggest, you're probably the, the, the voice I think of the most when I think of catch wrestling and people out there spreading the word of catch wrestling, being a true historian of the sport. And just, you're such a well-spoken guy on the subject. You're such a plethora of knowledge. I have loved listening to your podcast and absorbing whatever the hell you have to say about it. Um, you, you probably are uh, the, the leading force in catch wrestling of today, I would say, of this generation. And ju just off the top, I like, I like just go ahead, tell me a little bit about what you've got going on. Tell me about, you know, you got the scientific wrestling, you know, go ahead and just say stuff up front now, Instagram handles, whatever, where people can find you. So we get that out of the way at the top and, and just tell a little bit about yourself. Okay. Is that good? Yeah, cool. Awesome. And dude, I, I really, really appreciate you having me on, um, you know, and, and your kind words. Uh, it's been a lot of work, you know, so I think probably the, the flagship where, where people can see the, the biggest body of my work all in one spot would be the website, uh, scientificwrestling.com. And if you poke around enough on there, it'll take you all to everything else. I probably need to be better about creating more of a hub for everybody to get the information, but there I have. Okay. So probably, the, the, you know, I think the reason why I am the number one guy on the catch is catch can side is that, you know, um, I was never the greatest athlete. I never made, had any pretensions of being the toughest guy or any, any of that. I love the sport and I'm plenty tough and I've made sacrifices that, few people i don't talk about it too often um that most people wouldn't even bother with but uh for the sport and i think that's a big reason why um i do hold whatever position that is in this very little tiny pond of catches catch can wrestling um so scientific wrestling is the website scientificwrestling.com uh you can go on instagram at scientific wrestling i think the twitter is sci sc uh sci and then wrestling um anyway that, the website's probably the best um you know so scientific wrestling started in 2003 um so shit man it's almost 20 next year it'll be two decades that i've been working on this project mm. and one you know my my aim was that um, I had, I've always i've been a lifelong martial artist i started wrestling in peewees when i was like seven uh, I was at the uh, UFC two, saw our mutual friend, Sean Doherty, uh, opened the show. Um, so, you know, I've been involved in this scene for a very, very long time. I'm certified under Frank Shamrock. I um, apprenticed under Billy Robinson for seven years. Yeah, um, very few people had that level of exposure to Billy, especially at the peak, at the very end of his life and the, the largest amount of knowledge he had given the latest evolutions in the sport and whatnot. Um, I mentored with Carl Gotch, kind of, I guess you'd call it remote coaching now. They didn't have a name for that shit back then, but uh, for about four years, worked with like Dick Cardinal, uh, worked out at Gene LaBelle's gym back, way back, like we're talking, two, this had to be 2005 or 2004 um, when I was in California. Been working with Wade Chalice for shit, man, like 15 years now. So, you know, for me, 
when I started, I was not connected, man. Like I, you know, UFC came around. I was like, this is awesome. Cause here's this lanky dude named Hoist Gracie kicking the ass of these gigantic godlike figures like Ken Shamrock and whatnot. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? I, I got to figure this out. It was really a pivotal uh, moment in my life. And so I started seeking it out, but you know, the jujitsu never really, I, I respect jujitsu. I think it's cool, all that kind of shit, but it's just not, you know, some people like chocolate, some people like strawberry. It just wasn't for me, you know, I, but it was what I had. So I just did everything I could to get on the mats and grapple and do all this stuff. Meanwhile, seeking it out. Now I, I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any good breaks when I was young and actually in good shape to, to, to really have a go at it. And there, there was no grapplers quests. There was nothing like that. It was difficult. So, you know, most of my early time was like old school, like challenge matches and stuff. And that happened a lot after the UFC for a couple of years. Um, but I got a little burned out. I was dating a stripper in uh, San Francisco <laughs> and I was never really into pro wrestling. I had seen pro wrestling when I was a kid, but this is when like, like that attitude era was coming up and it was really hot. It was really, really trendy. I, st I still wasn't into it, but this girl that I was dating was way into like SmackDown. And so, you know, I wasn't having luck getting bookings on the MF because it was still so early. We're talking 96, 97. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to try pro wrestling. And I actually had some modest success. I mean, I, I, I'm naturally kind of a lanky guy. Um, but I, I, you know, I was a pro wrestler in the late nineties. So I got, I did a bunch of like D ball, you know, uh, like yeah. all that shit to get some mass. And I got up, I got to like 225 um, and pretty strong, but you know, I did, you know, taking shots in the ass and then having to take bumps on that. It was like, just, brutal i was like this is not not bueno so um uh you know i had some success i got booked i did a couple national tours i had a uh, tryout with wwe um you know it, so i had some modest success with the pro wrestling but still again like the jiu-jitsu i was just like this ain't it man this just is not quite my jam and um i was you know i was a member of the a fraternal organization of professional wrestlers. I'm a lifetime member, been a lifetime member for like 20 some odd years of this group called the Cauliflower Alley Club. And uh, I would talk to these old timers and they're like, oh man, you need to start looking into catch, catch, can wrestling and talk to this guy and talk to that guy. And so I started kind of piecing together what it really was. Cause there were some guys on the internet selling suit, you know, it was very like, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to knock anybody, but cheesy marketing, a bunch of bullshit kind of thing. You know what I mean? Overselling it, under delivering. And it just was not good. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I got to know these old timers who knew the real fucking shit. And so I was like, man, this is just not really up to standard. What's being presented for this uh, particular sport and art and martial art. It's fucking amazing. It's really cool. Especially when you start going deep into the history and realizing shit. These guys were fucking gnarly. This is really badass information that everybody's sleeping on. I couldn't even believe it. So um, I just started gathering the information and I figured, you know, I've, I've always been kind of a nerd and, and you know, I worked on, uh, I've got my master's degree in financial math. And so I've always been good at math and data and, and um, uh, way early before kind of social media and, and the internet got crazy. So um, 
you know, I figured, you know, I'm not before crowdsourcing was a thing, I figured out I should crowdsource this. So meaning that if I shared the 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 fruit of my research in the subject and published it and made these videos and started producing things and writing books and and putting together events um that you know i couldn't be the only person who was interested in this shit people maybe just didn't know and so if i did a good enough job of advertising and and promoting it that people would pay and that would fund my ability to do more research and bring more forward and do more stuff and but you know that ended up kind of getting crazy like i've been very fortunate in a couple ways like um i i think i just did more work and did a higher caliber job the quality was just better than what anybody was doing and so uh you know it was the early days of the internet you didn't really have to pay for reach like you have to pay for reach today and so it just fucking all my shit went viral that's what happened with the mace belt too like i invented uh the mace bell or the steel mace in fact uh on it just had me out last weekend uh to honor me for creating that thing and that was in 2006 and it's crazy viral and again because I just happened to kind of be doing stuff that everybody's doing today. I was just way ahead of the curve. So, you know, everybody now has a damn phone filming everything and shooting flow videos and putting it up on Instagram. Well, shit, man, I've been doing that since 2003. So I got footage up the fucking ass (laughs) like of, of old timers that don't exist anymore. And that are, are proof evidence links just like those old photographs of dudes doing double wrist locks and shit back in the day uh of this really fantastic fucking uh martial arts sport uh whatever you want to call it so um i bet it's it's a combination of you know the old cliche like you know uh hard work and luck you know at the same time and and for me you know what a lot of other people were doing I, I zig. I tend. I another thing I do is I zig when everybody else is zagging, yeah. and so you know all these other guys were taking the information because they, they they I don't think they grasped that we were in the information age yet, <laughs> and so they would take this information and hoard it and act like they were the guru, not realizing it's not that hard. And especially as time goes on in the information age, people are going to be able to figure all this shit out. You're not going to be a guru for long, you know. So I just presented the actual guys instead of trying to like learn from them and then represent it and make myself some whatever. So, um, do you you know the definition of guru in Sanskrit or whatever it is? It's a mm -hmm. person, it's a person who points, which is exactly what you just defined there. Yeah. Well, I guess I have a guru in that definition. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Okay. There you go. I like that. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) Anyway, anyway, I mean, I, I yeah. can go on and on. That, that's really kind of, I guess, the nutshell for me. I zig when other people are zagging. I have very, very high quality standards. I try to share and, and like kind of crowdsource and be open as much as much transparency as I possibly can. Um, I launched the first competitions. So, you know, I, I'm credited really with revivifying the entire fucking sport. Uh, by, I started in 2007. Uh, when I was being mentored by Carl, um, I was like, Carl, I want to do a competition. I want to start a tournament. And we kind of banged out some rules and Carl had some great ideas. Some that I felt were relevant given the fact that we were in the age of the UFC and I was the driver of all the business. So I was like, you know, I added some tweaks, he had some tweaks and boom, I launched it. 
and that tournament's still going. And so, um, looking back, I think I could have had even more impact, but um, I, I learned some hard lessons like any entrepreneur when you're the one doing shit and it's never been done before. Uh, I tried to market uh, catch as catch can wrestling and scientific wrestling, you know, and I, 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 I man, there's so much I've learned mm-hmm. <laughs> about the business side of things um, the hard way, expensively. Um, but, you know, I, I think that one of the things that I, uh, a big mistake I made was that I was trying to, because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu had the UFC, right? People, it depends how deep people are in on the history or what they know, but the UFC was a promotional vehicle for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the United States. And now there are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu strip mall clubs fucking everywhere, which is a great thing. I, shit, man, in 94, I wish that was how it was because I had to move all the way from Denver to fucking San Francisco to learn with Carly Gracie. It was a very expensive, difficult thing to do, but I was committed and serious. Anyway, so um, my mistake was that I was trying to sell catch to Brazilian jiu-jitsu people the way they originally were sold Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't know if that even makes sense, but it's a totally different approach. The Brazilian jiu-jitsu model business model i now note i'm not talking about the art or the sport it's a very i love those guys very game very tough guys so don't take anything out of context or misconstrue what i'm saying i have nothing but respect i'm talking about the business model they really set it up like their little dojos and stuff very much along the retail martial arts model that you find in taekwondo from the 80s where it's a belt system and they get you hooked and you stay on for 10 years and that kind of stuff and so they have a recurring revenue model that way well Catch as catch can could give a fuck about belts, except for gold belts, like that you win, right? So um, I was going that route and I did that for a long time. And, um, you know, we had some, we had a lot of people kind of come through our system and then try to model it. Like, I mean, pretty much everybody, because I was the first, everybody came through me and then tried to do their own systems, but it was wrong. (laughs) And so I think that's why we've had limited impact. We've made impact, but not as big as I would like. And so I've rejiggered it and figured some things out. Catch as catch can doesn't work as well on a retail model. It's not retail martial arts. This is why I've found so much more adoption amongst prize fighters. Like people who actually want to make a living by fighting love catch wrestling. They love it. MMA athletes, um, professional grappling athletes, they fucking come. They love that shit. But your average Joe Schmo who works a nine to five and goes to the gym to to have a little bit of fun and then goes home and gets to sleep. But he's not like a hardcore dude. He's not going to hang with catch. Catch will fuck your shit up. It's it's rough. It's rough. It's I mean, so Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is brilliant. Right, because it is gentle. It's the gentle art. You start on your knees, you lay down on your back half the class. Um, it, it's it's easier. I'm not saying it's not effective. I'm just saying, for retail adoption, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. That's why they've made so much money. Whether like Gracie Barris, it's a successful franchise. There's a lot of money in that. And just chill. It's like yoga, but a little aggressive. Um, with you know, with the game, it's like they gamified yoga in a way, so, which is great. That's not a knock. I'm a huge yoga fan, a huge jiu-jitsu fan. Again, I'm talking business models. 
catch as catch can wrestling is about winning fucking fights and so you take that shit into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club with some some hobbyists and they fucking hate you they're yeah. like get the fuck out of here what are you doing you're doing all the dangerous moves you're like like oh that's what i was taught but because we're taking like this prize fighting mentality into a retail martial arts setting and it's just no good right so um that's kind of where I've switched things. I still haven't given up on the retail dream. Uh, one of the things I'm working on this 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 year, you know, a lot of other people have tried to do like affiliate programs with very success. And again, I don't think they have the same quality standards or maybe the same uh, mind for business that I do. And again, not a knock. I'm just, you know, I don't know how to how to put it in another way. So this year we're going to be launching an affiliate program, which I'm really, really actually excited about. Um, but what I'm doing that's different than everybody else is I'm actually making it a sustainable business model. So when you buy in to the affiliate, everybody knows what that you can get, like, say, like Eric Paulson has affiliate system, which is great. Yeah. All these people have different affiliate systems. Well, <clears throat> when you buy in and I'm sure people will start copying what I do because that's kind of what happens. But. It is what it is. I'm happy to contribute and I'm, I'm happy anybody makes any money, like especially in today's world where every fucking communist socialist motherfucker is out to try to create laws to make it more and more difficult for small businesses, not giant mega dickhead corporations like mom and pops that just want to live doing what they love, you know, small business. That's really my aim. And that's my passion. That's another passion besides catch, catch, can is small business and business development. But uh, so I kind of merged the two into one yeah. with this program. So basically they're going to get resale rights for all the DVDs or instructional materials that we have. We have them streaming or whatever. So anybody who buys into the affiliate program, for example, would be able then to resell all of the materials that I've put together and make money off of it. They get a 50% um, uh, uh, commission, which is, my commission, because I pay out the athletes, the other 15%, whoever's starring in the video. So um, <clears throat> they'll automatically make 50%. And that's on them if they can hustle. And I'm going to be including my business coaching, which is like a, I charge people like seven, eight, almost $8,000 for a nine month program. That's going to be part included. So I'm going to show you actually what you got to do to make money with it, with the resale rights. Additionally, it's going to come with two of our uh, coaching catch certifications, which have, I like to say they're, they, they go for $5,000. Now that's, if you're a complete new, if you've come in to our system and you've won a certain number of competitions and whatever you accelerate quicker through that, there's, you know, you, you, you go much quicker. So it's normally uh, 500 units, kind of like maybe, maybe like college courses or whatever, 500 units to get your certification. Uh, but you can earn units, say, if you took gold in Grappler's Quest or Naga or whatever, and that'll knock off like, you know, 100 credits or whatever. So we have a whole system on coachingcatch.com. Right. But long story short, you're going to get resale rights to make money. You're going to get $8,000 worth of business coaching um, from the guy who's been doing it for 20 years through three financial crises. Um then you're going to get two coaching catch certificates that are worth, um, and you're still going to have to earn the 500 units before you get the certification, but those are each $5,000. So it's another $10,000 of value. Um, um, so then you can of course make revenue through doing seminars, teaching classes, doing online kind of shit. 
Uh, additionally, people are going to get a license to run King of Catch seminars or King of Catch uh, wrestling tournaments um, as they see fit, either as a driver to pull people from other schools into their gym, like we see with uh, with my guy, uh, Gil, all of us down in Phoenix. He runs these tournaments, pulls people in from all over, and then they're like, shit, I love this. And they stay with his gym. Um, but it's also great for promotional reasons and all kinds of other stuff. Plus, you make the money off the registrations. So it's another revenue stream. Then all athletes of anybody who uh, is in our affiliate system, anybody that you're coaching, let's say you run a gym and you buy into our affiliate system, any of your athletes that are promising, they get an automatic buy right into uh, Shoe Pro Wrestling, which is our attempt at creating a platform uh, to create stars. Basically, this is something that I also learned the hard way. Um, it took me years to just figure out this dumb fact that the reason why jujitsu is so huge is they had the UFC. Yeah. And catch wrestling's never had a UFC, despite the fact that Kazushi Sakuraba had one fucking fight is in a hall of fame. I mean, I don't know anybody else who had one fight in an organization's in the hall of fame because of the impact, uh, Josh Barnett, you know, these guys that are just badasses but we're underrepresented so people don't see it as a viable thing they always go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu so and you know we know that amateur wrestling that's mostly paid through again I I'm not meaning to be polarizing but there's no better word for it socialism I mean most of your athletes are paid through they go through public school systems and that's subsidized and free and makes it difficult to sell wrestling uh, because it's free up until you become an adult and then nobody has any wrestling clubs. Like they're so hard to find. They're, they're, they're few and far between. You can go to them. You can become a member of USA Wrestling and, and maybe find them, but they're still hard to find for a lot of people. So I am still working on that puzzle of retail martial arts and getting catch to the masses. But it's tough. It's yeah. tough because it is a tough sport. Yeah. Well, let, let's go ahead and unpack catch a little bit. Um, I'll tell you real quick before that, a couple little uh, thoughts that uh, a funny thing you mentioned doing the pro wrestling and, and having to get all balked up, dude, I had a hell of a time a little while I tried test out and I still have like a giant, like, like kind of like lump on my glute where I guess something happened and there's like fluid in there and it, it was hard on my quads and I hate it. I haven't yeah, been, yeah, I haven't been happy. Like when I tried that, it was a terrible, I kept gassing out. I mean, I didn't go about it the right way. I just had a bodybuilder friend. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There were benefits, but just to be a little polarizing from the people who try and sell you on the dark side, I, my, I feel infinitely better not going that route. And I feel spiritually a lot better about myself. Oh. Uh, it, there's a lot you're, you're doing when you shift that sort of thing. And it's, it's great when you need the benefits and it's great when it works with you, but um, it's, it's funny. And I appreciate the transparency and openness about that. I actually had a guy, when I said you were coming on, he's like, when are we going to see the psychedelic athlete on his pro wrestling series? It's always been, I, I think I got into fighting because I was into pro wrestling as a kid, as a young yeah. kid. And it was the perfect transition. The exact time I found out that, that pro wrestling was, was not, actual real fighting yeah. i had a i had a guy down the street and he went to jail for a little while and my buddy and i at like 11 years old figured we wanted to see if we could get inside the house 
<laughs> so we that's an that's a lighter way of saying we broke into the house and <laughs> i took the ufc one videotape is the one thing i took out of that house they didn't really want to like rob it but we just were like trying to do stupid daredevil shit like kids do so I want to say I was 11, maybe I was 12, right around there. I had known about UFC before that, but that was like such a pivotal part of my time. I, I, I got into to fighting because I was a fan of it. I, I had an MMA podcast before I ever trained, you know, uh, long story short, I got into training. Now, when I first started training, we had a snake pit affiliated coach uh, through Joel Bain. I went up and I did some privates as well. I was his like training partner during his MMA fight camps. We'd mm. go up with Joel because I wanted to learn it. I loved the stuff. Joel came out, did seminars. I loved all the catch stuff. And, and for me, um, so Jason Brown is the guy who was running the, the snake pit at the time, previously affiliated through snake pit. And I was doing some work with, with Joel Bain and I was kind of learning, learning that side. And my game is a white belt was I was beating people with, with catch wrestling. And I'll yeah. kind of just, especially we get a lot of jujitsu people on there. So I know pinning is a part of the sport, but from what I can tell, and then I'm going to, I'm curious what you would say are the big differences. What I can tell the big differences that separate jujitsu and catch wrestling are catch wrestling shows you a lot of the individual pieces and they do show you change. You do learn chains, but, but it's not as much like, the, the chains are not as so specific it's to the point where it's kind of like you hit your pass, you go for your submission here, but they, they really emphasize the grip fighting part of it. They emphasize the pressure and the pinning part of it. Well, pinning is a way you can win in catch wrestling. They emphasize the literal head position, the inside fight, the concepts, the principles. Catch wrestling to me is the origin of conceptual grappling, which I've always gravitated towards the, the John Danaher's. I'm really big into Rob Bernacki, a violent top team. I love conceptual jujitsu. I love thinking for myself. I love not told it, not being told this is better than that, showing some options. Any, but if you are willing to admit that there's not much difference between a Kimura and, and, and an Americana, once you learn the basic concepts of torque, peak ranges of motion, uh, weight distribution, principles of pinning, you start to be able to connect your own dots think for yourself. And, and a lot of like, I remember seeing a, a video with, with Billy Robinson, just kind of showing his grip fight entry and, and kind of reading his opponent, countering his opponent. He didn't specifically say that it was just kind of like two guys doing a shoot off and going at the same exact time. But it, he was really emphasizing that it was more about reading and reacting to your opponent with these obvious direct lines of movement, obvious, you know, elimination of space, inside bat, whatever. But it was about two energies being so aware of what the other energy was doing and then winning the, 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 the immediate battle that's in front of you. Not that there's not two steps, three steps ahead of me, but being so in the moment and aware of the current battle that's going on. That is what I really learned from catch. And I really learned like pinning is a big lost art, in my opinion, in jujitsu. It's one of the to actually learn, you know, 
TLI, Team Lloyd Irvin, controversial topic, but one of their biggest concepts is third point pressure. The idea of you have two points on the mat, you throw all of your weight into the third point and you learn how to make them carry as much weight as humanly possible. And that's the kind of stuff a catch wrestler would be good at. If you are into catch wrestling and you're worth your salt, you know how to make your opponent carry your weight. And that is not something that a lot of jujitsu people are spending time doing. So I say all that to say a lot of my game influenced by catch is the idea of torque, internal rotation control, you know, the hip control, the always, it's like you're almost doing a Kimura even when you're not just to make the move kind of like Eastern martial arts, how they use those weird sort of like torque the elbow and the guy turns away like police style controls. And, and that, that sort of ratchet control system, I use that a lot and I use the head fight and and it's kind of like almost like what wrestlers aren't allowed to legally do anymore. Torquing the chin strap, connecting your hands. It's a lot of like the stuff that, that, that it bridges the gap definitely between wrestling and jujitsu most obviously. Um, But that's sort of how it's helped my game. So if people are out there into jujitsu and they don't really know about this catch stuff, they don't really understand it. That kind of gives them a perspective of how it's helped my game. I mean, I still have a very playful sit on my butt um, type thing. Oh, the other thing is I'm always corkscrewing. You know, I go against these wrestlers and they think they're supposed to lie flat on their back. And they think they're supposed to just lay there and be flattened out and play jujitsu. And it's like, hey, dude, you're one of the best people here at not being pinned. How about you play your jujitsu and not let yourself get pinned? Not that you need to go full on side to a leg scissor and try and, you know, do that stuff. But how about you get to a shoulder and a hip and move your shoulders and hip in unison, head, chest, hips. How about we get some rotation going on and not get flattened out? Because if you're hard to pin, which catch wrestling teaches you, you're hard to grapple you're hard to beat. Right. So that's what I've learned from it. What do you think are, are some obvious differences and maybe, maybe especially things that are within the jujitsu MMA rule set and, and not just the idea of, Oh, the, well, there's a pin. What do you notice is, or is different between catch and jujitsu? Well, I mean, you, I think you touched on, on a, on a good number of them. Um, you know, the, so when when uh, we were putting together the syllabus for the uh, what we used to call the certified catch wrestling program, which is now uh, coaching catch, you can go to coachingcatch.com and that's kind of our our coaching program. You don't have to commit to the coaching program. You can just come to one off. Um, we've kind of even I'm, I'm thinking of even changing the name, still keeping a coaching catch. But for those people that aren't interested in the coaching track, just calling it the scientific wrestling accelerator camp, because I cannot tell you how many people come to our two day camp. And not only are, is their mind, blown, everybody, I mean, it's kind of the same reaction because nobody's really had high level catches, catch can. It's this mishmash of, of low quality assurance kind of stuff just thrown together. Well, you know, we've really get, had high standards and work with like literally the best people. I mean, it's not even, I mean, it's like undisputed. We literally are like, <laughs> we're leaving the solar system and people haven't even left the atmosphere, honestly, like with regards to scientific wrestling. And um, the first syllabus that we, that I put together with Billy, um, you know, Billy had a bunch of ideas and he had a very interesting way of teaching. And what I found that I had to do was bridge the gap from the way that it was being taught uh, traditionally to people who are in martial arts 
uh, because it came from the East and, and a lot of it from Japan, uh, particularly karate and jujitsu. And, you know, the way Billy used to like to explain it is that in Japan, you had to hammer a nail. It would be first place the wood. Step two, pick up the hammer. Step three, place the nail. Step four, lift the hammer. Step five, you know, like it's very, very like rigid and very, and you couldn't put step four and five, switch them around or anything. Like Billy hated that shit. And so what I found was the challenge was being able to take his style of teaching, which everybody was like retarded. Like they couldn't fucking grasp it because it just was so not cookie cutter bullshit, right? Yeah. It was like actually engaging with people very presently, like get your head out of your ass and do what I'm saying, do this. But it is so crazy to see how many, how the way people are trained affects the way they can process information, right? And that's just a product of a lot of um, public schooling as well, like socialized education. They're more interested in creating workers than thinkers or you know entrepreneurs or designers and things like that. It's more about just that procedural kind of knowledge, right? Like filling in the fucking bubble the right way and dumb shit like that. So um, we, I decided to name that syllabus that we came, I think I put that out in 2010 or something or nine, I don't know, but uh, the conceptual syllabus because it's, I felt it was more important for people to understand catch as catch can almost like Legos where here are all these modular units. And once you learn the proper way of doing the technique, it's very easy. Once you understand how to transition, you could build any fucking structure that you like. Right. And now it could be a total piece of shit, or it could be one of those things you see at like Legoland. That's like amazing, you know? So um, the, the conceptual aspect, and I think that is because catch as catch can was big before there was socialized education, before there was public school, and before there was this kind of ABC kind of just rigid thought processing. And so, um, you know, a lot of it is conceptual and a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's closer to boxing, the way that yeah. catch wrestling is taught. So you're talking about chains, but, you know, I think people get all like mystified about chains, um, especially when it comes to grappling. But if you just think of it like boxing combinations, okay, I, get, I, have, I have a jab, I have a hook, I have a cross, I have a, you know, I have these things and I could put them together in almost an infinite array of, of combinations. And that is chain wrestling. So once you understand the base pieces and you understand how to move efficiently between those pieces, man, you can do whatever the hell you want, yeah, right? And so that is where the, the like that, idea of chain and that is very specific to catch catch can there's a very specific way to teach it people still want to fucking try to fit a round peg into a square hole and 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 do that the other way if, what i find is again Lost you for a second. I started That's, calling it the accelerator, right? I lost you for one second, maybe like oh. 10 seconds. Um, I think it is on my end, but I've never had that happen before. So I apologize. Where, where did it cut? Um, you, you, you were, oh, I forget the exact last word you said. Um, you were talking about the juxtaposition of not, obviously not, not being into the chain thing, how it doesn't work, square hole, round peg, maybe another 10 yeah, seconds. So, so. 
So most people kind of come to our camp and their mind is blown. They're like, holy shit. And they're doing things that they never thought they'd do. Like one of the first things I like after I teach this real basic body mechanics and people at first, they're like, I pay for this, like how to walk, how to stand. And I'm like, just shut the fuck up and just trust me because in two seconds, I'm going to make you do something amazing when you just know how to set it up. And then one of the first things I like to do is have people do like a Billy Robinson style fireman's carry. And all of a sudden you guys have guys who have never looked like a wrestler in anything they've ever done, fucking pulling off a cool ass fucking, you know, show off move. That's a decent probability of pulling off as well. So, um, and those same guys, they go back to their gym and they smoke people that they'd had a really hard time uh, with just a week before. And they come yeah. to us for two days and they go back and they start beating guys. Now, you know, you mentioned that you, you learn some catch and then you go against white belts. Well, this is one of the things that I find also about catches catch can is it's very flat. It's not hierarchical, right? So somebody comes to me, I don't give a fuck what belt or I, I don't care. They come to me, I'm going to teach them a fucking heel hook. I'll teach them that on day one if that's fucking really what I think is going to be the best thing for them. Right. I ain't going to wait till brown belt or some shit. You know what I mean? Um, because I want this guy, if, if he comes to me, I personally feel that he probably wants to go out and win some shit. And I'm just, that's what I'm interested in, getting him that win. I'm a coach. I want results. I'm not into turning it into a 10-year cash flow. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that I'm just going to give the, the individual what they fucking need to get what they want. Like as a coach, that's my job. It's to get fucking results, not bullshit, not excuses, not drag things out, not say don't train with somebody else. That's some pussy shit. Like if your shit's good, let people train everywhere. They'll come back and you shouldn't be limiting them. You might fucking learn something like, you know, there's there's so much dumb ego and formality and dumb shit in martial arts. Um and I love it. I'm saying that from, from constructive criticism, like a place of love. I think it could improve in a lot of ways, you know, in terms of uh, the efficacy of, of learning and having people ramp up and, and speed up their, their learning so they could start accomplishing and, and, and hitting new territory that's never been hit before. Because a lot of what's happening is we're rehashing shit that's already been fucking studied. I mean, the truck it's a fucking side ride. I could show you pictures from the 1920s and it goes back to the, at least the 1870s as a setup for submission. So, you know, it's like, guys, there's something I call grappling literacy. And I find that sometimes people get into this like guru mindset and they won't look outside and do independent research and learn stuff. Catch wrestling has a shit ton of information. It's older uh, than, um, than Brazilian jiu-jitsu by far, like, you know, by 50, 60, 70 years. And the approach was different. They were, you know, part of the reason why it's a conceptual learning, I believe, is because it is a Western martial art. And so that's why I called my brand scientific wrestling, you know, because we do try to take this approach and we do try to use physics and we do try to, to use these concepts from anatomy and biology and psychology and everything that we possibly can that's scientific and verifiable and uh, replicable. There's a lot of bullshit out there that they put fancy language on and make it sound scientific and it ain't actual science. It's just fucking in corn terms, fancy language, you know, uh, bullshit bingo. So, um, you know, that's really been the program is I, I decided early on, I would model, mimic and master 
the very best. That's why I went to Carl Gotch. That's why I went to Billy Robinson. That's why I went to Wade Shaw. That's why I went, uh, I brought Josh Barnett. I, I wanted the guys that were fucking actually in the lab, having best practices from a, a real method and bring it to people that are interested, maybe that aren't at the level of Josh, but that are still serious and maybe want to try to get there if you're a young man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, I, I wanted to have as much free flow of information. I wanted to maintain high quality standards that, you know, I think there's a lot of people uh, that like to talk shit and stuff. And I, you know, I'm a good dude. I'm a nice guy, but I have very high quality standards. And I'll tell you, I'm a hell of a lot nicer about it than Carl and Billy were. Um, yeah. They fucking assume just fucking put you in the hospital about it. Be like, okay, run your fucking mouth. I'm going to break your leg. I mean, they're so to me, I think, you know, there is this, like you mentioned, the conceptual difference that's bigger. Obviously there's the rule set. The rule set is different. Pinning is a way to learn. And so it's a catch as catch can is much closer to MMA in so far as in MMA, there's two ways, two pathways to, to victory, submission or knockout. Let's not count points, submission or knockout. Well, in catch as catch can, submission or pin. And so it changes the complexity of the game. So I find MMA, and I think this is why we get better adoption in MMA than say uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, or even grappling now, is that you know gravity really factors into our game plan. That's because of pinning. Um, just like gravity factors into the MMA game plan. It's much more difficult to punch uphill than to punch downhill, right? So you have the, in military parlance, what I like, like to always bring up is the, the strategic high ground. It's just on a planet with gravity, that shit matters, period. And, you know, as a wrestler, you know, catch as catch can was contested in fucking gravel pits and on hard shit, not in a cushy fucking tatami mat in an air-conditioned fucking studio. Right. So these guys learn these things in a different condition and under you know different circumstances and with different rule constraints and so you practice something different long enough it, it evolves into a different animal you know what i mean and that's so you know catch has so many things that are really different um that i think are fascinating and very useful and practical uh for for grapplers but you know it's uh, it's also difficult because um I don't have a gigantic marketing machine behind me. I don't have a bajillion dollars to, you know, run ads, 50, a, a budget to run $50,000 in ads every month. You know what I mean? To promote right. this kind of thing. Or I don't have gigantic um, tournaments or shows that the rule set favors a certain type of approach. I just haven't had that. I've tried to recreate it and I'm still trying to recreate it. And I've got very big goals uh, and I've had the support of a lot of amazing people, not just guys like, you know, top of the food chain guys like Carl and Billy and Wade and uh, Josh and Gene LaBelle and all these other great fucking amazing human beings athletically, um, but also just people who have helped me, you know what I mean, that support me um, and have come to camps, have entered into the tournaments, have actually done this, you know, like a lot of people are scared, like, fuck, I don't want to enter a catch wrestling, that shit's fucking rough. You know, yeah. we take care of you. It's not, we're not, that's the other thing that pisses me off is so many people use this dumb meathead jerk off alpha male, whatever stupid marketing lingo. And it gets associated with catch as catch can. 
And, you know, Billy was always the first to tell you, you know, the danger, the most dangerous catch wrestlers were like me, like these lanky, nerdy dudes that you never fucking would <laughs> in a second guess that they would fucking kill you, right. kill you bad, like cripple you for life. Um, and those were the best ones, like Billy Joyce and um, Fred Grubmeyer and, and, you know, all, uh, Wayno Katonin, like all of these guys. So, um, you know, there's all these misconceptions because different people try to market it certain ways and all that. And I just try to keep it as true to the facts and as true to the, to the real big players as possible. And at the same time, trying to keep it relevant, given the fact that the UFC is the main driver of all the interest in this business, you know, yeah. to keep it relevant. Yeah. Well, we, we only, I know we only have a handful of minutes left. I'd like to get into one last thing. I had a guest on already, uh, James Fuller of Strongman Archaeology. James is into old time strongman pre-competition lifts back when guys were doing the bent press. They were doing yeah. the late 1800s, early 1900s. He is the leading force in old time strongman. And he is the historian of all historians when it comes to those people. And what's fascinating is there's a, there's a connection to wrestling, right? You get the uh, Hack and Schmidt hack squat, also a championed wrestler. A lot of these guys, a get up, a one hand get up was originally um, a wrestling related thing. All of these great wrestlers prided their strength and conditioning, which you talk about physics, you talk about, um, you know, gravity. They, pri they, they prided themselves in having a strength and conditioning that had a somewhat more martial arts element to it as far as like the, it was a, it was some self-discovery there was some uniqueness from person to person they might have only had a couple objects that they played around with in a million different ways and they had these lifts that was their lifts and again a lot of them were wrestlers so I know you have that connection with the mace bell I've always been fascinated with the Indian clubs which kind of died out with with that the, the entrance of, of Western um, competitive lifts and not just Westerners, but you have the Olympic weightlifting, the powerlifting competitive. Now, now strong you, you have to remember uh, the, 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 the Indian clubs were actually, I think they were an Olympic sport for a short time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't way even back, know that. We're talking like in the very beginning of the Olympics, like early 1900s, but yeah, they, I, yeah. I believe they were in the Olympics for a short time. Yeah. So we'll go ahead. Tell me a little bit about like the link to I know we, this is something we could pick up again in a future conversation as well, but yeah. give me the link to Mace Bell's wrestling, the history there. What connection is there to grappling and this? Is this a newer correlation or was this something that grapplers were using back then? Yeah. So if, if anybody's interested in what the fuck we're talking about, you go to macebell.com. Uh, my friend, Greg Walsh, uh, is manufacturing the only mace that I endorse. There's a lot of great ones out there, okay? Don't get your fucking panties in a bunch, but the mace bell, if you go to macebell.com, it's this new Wolf Brigade mace. It's really great, super sturdy, fantastic. Check it out, okay? But basically what the, the history of it in a nutshell is that I was being mentored by Carl. This is before I knew Billy. Um, uh, and, and if you guys go to carlgotch.com, uh, I have a number of those mentoring calls up with him uh, there on a memorial site. If you care to listen to it there, I mean, it's like tons and tons of hours. So you could sit through it. If it's fascinating to you, you might get bored. I don't know. <laughs> it's me and Carl bullshitting about, about wrestling and physical culture and things of that nature. But I went to go out and work with Carl and Carl was very famous, not just for being a curmudgeon. He never was that way with me. Uh, so, you know, I don't know where that for me personally, he was always a very nice 
person, very funny. I just don't think he appreciated people who were full of shit and bullshit and, and weren't willing to fucking put their mouth where they're, you know, put the money where the mouth is kind of thing. And so um, I went out to visit him and he ran me through the Gotch Bible. There's a story. So the first time I met him, I show up at his door. I'm super excited because it's fucking Carl Gotch, right? The guy who launched Pancras, created, I mean, these guys, he was, he was uh, Anoki's corner in the Muhammad Ali, Anoki fight. There's a guy who's pivotal, huge, huge, huge name, maybe the biggest. Um, I put him and Billy kind of on equal standing, but Carl was a little older and bigger. Um, anyway, he was very famous for being hardcore on physical conditioning for being kind of a hard ass, um, almost like that Sal Bandini in the fucking, uh, uh that, that uh, Royal ready to rumble comedy or whatever. But, um, so I go to meet him and he, I jetted up there. I was in Bradenton. I, I drove my ass over to fucking Tampa to meet him. Um, I woke up early. I skipped breakfast, which was stupid, but I did it. I, I drive over there and he's like, oh, come on in. Hey, what's, let's have a cigar. I don't smoke cigars. So he's like, gives me this giant fucking cigar. And I'm turning green from that. Then he's like, oh, hey, have you ever had plum wine? It's the sickening, like so sweet, syrupy Japanese like liqueur. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to turn the fucking man down. So I'm like, okay, yeah. And so now I've got like a cigar making me sick, this gross fucking shit on an empty stomach. And then after we're done and we're bullshit for like an hour finishing it, he's like, okay, now we're going to do some exercise. I'm like, oh, you bastard. You totally set me up for that. So I banged out uh, Gotch's Bible, which is like doing like 450 Hindu squats and 250 so uh, Hindu push-ups, holding a bridge for three minutes, uh, doing all that shit. So I'm like fucking dead dude i'm like i think i think i'm gonna die now i didn't puke but i was close and um at the end of it he's like here try this and he hands me his mace it's in in india they're called a gada g-a-d-a and i'm like oh what the fuck is this thing you know and at that time this is probably around 2006 kettlebells were fucking trendy as shit they were blowing up pavel tatsaline was like this big deal all the marketing was Fucking uh, kettlebell this, kettlebell this, whatever. I was, I'd even gotten certified um, by uh, Valery Fedorenko. I mean, it was a big deal, right? So Carl handed me this fucking weird ass thing. And I'm like, what is this? He starts swinging. I try, I'm like, shit, I don't know how to do this. But it was like totally magical. I'm like, wow, this is fucking cool. And I go back from this and I couldn't find one. And I'm like, Carl, like, I can't find one of these. I want to do that. I want to get good at that. That was really neat. Um, and he, he swore by it. He's like, this is the greatest thing for your grip as a wrestler. Like you need, like you can do all the other things for strength and conditioning. And that's fantastic, but you need to have a fucking killer grip. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm looking, I'm looking, I could not find anybody to make one. I went to a woodworker and he was like, okay, yeah, I'll make it 300 bucks. I'm like, dude, no, I'm not gonna pay 300 bucks. Now at the time, the biggest manufacturer of kettlebells um, I happened to know the guy. And so I actually, I just went and I pitched him. I put together, I drew some pictures, put it together, sent him some videos from India and of Carl. And I was like, dude, this is going to be amazing. Here are the dimensions. Here's the weights. Um, I'll make up a bunch of fucking um, exercise protocols. I'll make a certification. I'll do all these things and market it and all that, like the business development. You just make it and fulfill the orders. Boom. Next thing you know, we had the mace bell. Um, again, it was before paid reach was a thing and strangling 
things. And so I put up a bunch of videos and uh, they went viral. In fact, what I had done is I said, okay, listen, back then kettlebell shirts were like thousands of dollars, like such a fucking waste, but they were thousands of dollars that people were paying it. So I said, listen, I'll certify you in mace for free, but you have to post yourself swinging a hundred swings, 10 to two or 360 uh, and post it on YouTube. Well, that made it go fucking viral. And all of a sudden there's all these fucking videos of people swinging to get the certification for free. And so anyway, long story short, uh, you know, it comes originally from Hindu physical culture. Carl was a huge advocate for Hindu physical culture. I think that we discounted a lot in the West. I mean, everybody's obviously knows about yoga and whatnot, but they don't know the history that like the uh, power vinyasa yoga that everybody does today, uh, the hot yoga, all that shit. That's a dumbed down version of Hindu wrestling exercises, period. Uh, so what we know is Dandasana, right, uh, is a donned. A donned is the Hindu push-up. So if you look at the upward dog portion of, uh, of the Hindu push-up, now you understand where... So, so basically, they, the modern yoga that we know is an amalgam of British calisthenics and Hindu wrestling exercise. They kind of dumbed down the Hindu wrestling program and made this new thing called yoga. So the yoga everybody thinks is ancient shit. That's all bullshit. It's about 150 years old, uh, largely a result of the British occupation of India. Um, the real yoga that guys like Patanjali and shit were talking about was all meditation. Most of it was like asana, like sitting positions, not holding warrior two and all this kind of stuff, right? So. Um, now, there were some people doing that in India, but it was very small, and most of it came from Hindu wrestlers. My wife is huge into uh, pole fitness. Like, it's like the stripper pole shit, but it's a fitness thing, right? So nobody's stuffing dollar bills or nothing like that. It's like they compete, and they're actually trying to make that an Olympic sport, but very few people know that comes from uh, Hindu culture. It's called Mala Kham, M-A-L-A-K-H-A-M-B. You can Google it. There's videos on YouTube. And that was a wrestling exercise. People would like do all these contortions on the pole and do crazy shit. Fascinating stuff. It's a really deep, rich history. Um, and I'm just proud to kind of carry it around. I think, you know, so the mace originally came from India. There was nobody doing it. Carl put one in my hand, got me excited. I definitely was like, this shit's magical for, for grapplers. I was like, I could feel it, the way it moves and the grip strength and the having to balance it and all that. And so um, I am credited for really introducing it in a big way into the West and making it actually a training modality that's adopted. And, and additionally for uh, making it out of steel instead of say wood um, and having the first certification and coming up with a lot of the foundational nomenclature for the moves and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I kind of like, Sometimes I sit back and I look at all the shit that, that I've done and I'm like, well, that's crazy because it doesn't seem like it's me. But I mean, somehow I'm in the position to make these things happen and, and I'm very grateful and happy. I mean, some of it's a lot of work and there's a lot of bullshit and, you know, backbiting and stuff, but it, it's all doesn't matter. It's helping people and I'm very happy about that and people seem to enjoy it. So, you know, I'm very I, I'm happy with the body of work that I've created over the last you know couple of decades. Hell yeah, man. I, I appreciate everything. Um, I, I want to check out some of this stuff further. Uh, check out uh, Jake's stuff. 
links at the top, uh, scientific wrestling, find him on Instagram, uh, go to the website, look into all the programs and hopefully we can have a future conversation, dive deep into a couple of these topics and really get to some of these, these rich stories that people could learn a lot from, or some of the the great anecdotes you have and some of the history here. Um, It's been a great conversation. Thank you very much for your time, Jake, and we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Anytime. I loved it. Uh, Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Bye.